Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we analyse the latest talking points and the news of all the Formula 1 races throughout the F1 calendar and occasionally we chuck in a bit of banter as well between ourselves. So let's get into this. My name is Adam Burns, I'm one of your hosts and joining me once again, Courtney Pine, my co-host. Courtney, hello there, how are you? And uh, what can we say after what an incredible race that was, but how are you feeling right now after what we've just seen? Yeah, hello everyone. Um, yeah, just getting over this. This has been recorded straight after the race, so uh, we're still very much digesting exactly what has occurred. And I have a lot to say on certain topics, but Adam, I'm going to leave you to introduce the uh, the topics in hand today, and um, I'll let rip later on. Yeah, it's it's very raw, guys. We're literally recording this literally 15, 20 minutes after the checkered flag has gone down. At the Sakir Grand Prix, which promised so much. And I'll tell you what, it certainly delivered. And the first place we have to start, of course, Sergio Perez winning his maiden Grand Prix victory in Formula One. A guy that's been in 190 Grand Prix now. He's waited longer than anyone else has to get a Grand Prix victory in the sport. And it's finally happened today. And given the circumstances of how he came about that win towards the end of it, which we'll go into a little bit later on. I mean, we've got to say it, it's thoroughly well-deserved. And what a great story this is for Sergio Perez, a driver who in a few weeks' time may find himself without a seat in Formula One and how cruel that will be, given the current speculation regarding his future. But first things first, Corny, I mean, what is your raw, fresh reaction uh, everything else aside, let's focus on Sergio, of course, for obvious reasons. But how do you yeah. feel right now seeing Sergio Perez at long last on the top step of the podium? I don't think there's many people um, that have gone without a win of Formula One that deserve it any more than Sergio Perez does. He's He's been put through the, uh, the ringer this season. You know, not expected to have a drive next season. And... This is just me. I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way, but it would be absolutely criminal if this man does not have a drive in Formula One next season. I've, I've been banging on about it all season, how Perez deserves a shot at the Red Bull See, I mean, surely, come on, Red Bull, come on, surely. After, after what's occurred this weekend, give the guy a chance. It would be an absolute travesty if this man isn't in the on the F1 grid next season. Yeah, I echo those thoughts exactly. I mean, Sergio Perez cannot physically do more. And I think it's fair to say the second half of the season, or perhaps the whole season in general, has probably been the best driver outside of, other than Lewis Hamilton, in terms of what he's been able to deliver uh, in terms of performances, contrary to 
uh, his rivals, particularly in the car, the machine even that he has available, which of course is a very good car. Controversially, the uh, RP20 this season bearing a lot of the hallmarks from the uh, W10 from last season. But all jokes aside, Sergio Perez has been absolutely outstanding and it's culminated in a victory, a deserved victory, it, uh, despite the circumstances in which he had won this race. But I mean, let's go before we talk about Sergio's potential future. I mean, let's talk about how his race unfolded. I mean, qualified very well in fifth place. Uh, a circuit, the ring road, if you like, a Sakir, a track that would very much suit the racing points, given that it is arguably the fastest car in a straight line with that Mercedes engine. Of course, a little less drag than the current Mercedes does, owing to the error efficiency on the latter. And he had that tangle in turn one with Charles Leclerc. I mean, how did you see that incident, Courtney? Did you feel that that was an incident where Sergio perhaps didn't leave Leclerc enough room or... Did you feel that Leclerc kind of steamrolled into turn four and really gave Sergio no option? Yeah, I, I believe that it was uh, mainly on Charles Leclerc's shoulders. You know, he's he's been he's had struggles in that Ferrari all season, and he's seen a golden opportunity to overtake who he probably sees as his main rival going into the future, Max Verstappen. He thought this is going to be a real opportunity for me to make a statement going into the future. You know. If it all goes well, I could possibly hold on for a podium. So he's just gone for it. He thought this is going to be my one opportunity this season. It hasn't paid off and it's cost him and Max dearly. Um, and luckily, it could have been very different for Sergio. But luckily, he only got a slight tap. But the F1 gods were certainly on Perez's side this um, uh, in this race. And uh, I don't begrudge him at all. No, absolutely. Um, I I'm totally in agreement with you. Um, I, I thought that was 100% Charles' fault. Uh, Charles himself actually said um, in a sort of interview while the race was going on that he held his hands up and took responsibility for that incident. And I absolutely agree with that. I felt that one of the issues that Charles has had this season, particularly on the opening lap of a race, is he's gone in too gung-ho, if you like, into a corner to try and make up a few places early on. There's nothing wrong with being aggressive, but when you're in that position and you're carrying too much speed on relatively cold tyres, obviously the warm-ups that they have going to the grid and locking your brakes in the manner, you're just lending yourself to your rival, making sure that they take evasive action to avoid your car. And unfortunately for Perez, coming across completely the other side of the corner, was never going to see Charles until it was too late and clipped his tyre. Thankfully for Sergio, he managed to get away with just uh, you know enough damage, I suppose, to his tyre to render him needing a pit stop. The safety car saved his blushes. But what followed was Sergio putting in a fantastic drive to not only fight from the back of the field, because he literally was dead last after lap one and managed to get in that position where towards the end of the race, he managed to inherit the lead owing to the shambles of what happened at Mercedes and then went on to win that race. It's an absolutely fantastic performance from Sergio Perez. He's been putting in drives like that all season long. Last week, he was so unlucky to miss out on a podium after the issue with the engine and the uh, battery systems that failed on him just narrowly close towards the end of the race and today he's come back a week later looking determined as ever brilliant recovery and ended up winning that race and quite frankly Courtney I absolutely agree with your sentiments earlier over his future which we're going to discuss you know what more can Sergio Perez do to convince Red Bull that he is worthy of that second seat I mean we don't know if Red Bull have already made their mind up whether or not to keep Albon for another year or Sergio Perez and perhaps the Yuki Sonoda situation has made this a little bit more difficult than perhaps it needed to be. 
But I was going to mention that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just feel at this point that there's nothing more Sergio can do. If it were me, I would take Sergio on. With all respect to Alex Albon, I would rather put him back in the Alpha Tauri to build up more experience. But it doesn't seem that that opportunity is available, hence why they're perhaps so reluctant to make a decision until the latest time possible. But quite frankly, it will be an absolute crime against all sports and humanities that you can think of if Sergio Perez is not on the Formula One grid next season, as likely as that appears to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pleased you mentioned about Yuki Tsunoda because he's done a top job in F2. He, um, he won Rookie of the Season, officially. Um, he's got a massive fan base behind him because Japanese are Formula One crazy, if you didn't know. He's got a lot of backing. He's got a lot of momentum behind him. And it looks all but certain he's going to be driving for Alpha Tauri next season. So it does look like a straight playoff between Alex Albon and Sergio Perez, not only for a seat in Red Bull, but for a driving Formula One altogether. The stakes are high, but, you know, Sergio Perez has done brilliantly. And, and right now, between the two, it has to be Perez. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, Yuki Tsunoda winning the Antoine Hubert Award, named after the late Antoine Hubert, who uh, we lost, sadly, last season at the Belgian Grand Prix in F2. Winning Rookie of the Year, very impressive stuff from Yuki Tsunoda. Third in the championship, of course, managed to overtake Nikki Mazepin in the standings. Only Callum Eilat and Mick Schumacher. And uh, we should say, offer our congratulations to Mick Schumacher, who today confirmed his status as the new F2 champion, the fourth F2 champion in the uh, current era, along the likes of George Russell, Charles Leclerc, and also Nick DeVries as well. So congratulations to Mick Schumacher. And we'll be seeing him on the grid next season, no doubt with the Haas team. But um, that, that Sonoda situation has created a bit of a paradox for Red Bull, where they're kind of almost at a catch-22. There's not much they can do. I mean, ideally, they might prefer to have Sonoda in F2 next season to try and go and win that. Yuki himself has said he's probably not going to be in F2 next season. I think he knows where his future lies, and that will be at AlphaTauri. And for all the right reasons regarding Honda and the talent he's shown and the tests that he has done in that AlphaTauri, it makes sense to believe that he's going to be in that car next season. So it does create that situation where they have to make a decision over Perez and Albon. And whilst I think Red Bull really want to keep Albon, I think you and I agree, Courtney, despite that podium he got last weekend, which he inherited by large from Perez's misfortunes, although he did perform relatively well anyway in that race, I think it's fair to say that Albon has not really done enough to convince the likes of Christian Horner and Dr. Helmut Marco that he should be in that seat with Verstappen next season. Perhaps it's a bit too much for him at this point in time. It's not an easy car, but it just looks like Perez would get much more out of it than uh, Albon would at this point in time. But of course, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, no news has been confirmed, but of course, once that news is confirmed, we'll definitely be talking about that in the near future. So, um, yeah, let, let's move on to the big, big, big talking point. So, of course, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know what happened at Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton earlier this week tested positive for COVID um, and... He came into contact with someone on Monday that had tested positive for the virus and he went down with some mild symptoms, as reported, had a test, came back positive, had another one to confirm that, which it did. So Lewis had to sit out the Sakia Grand Prix. And first things first, we haven't really heard much word on Lewis Hamilton's condition. All that we heard over the weekend was Toto saying that the symptoms are mild. So unlike what happened to Sergio Perez and Lance Stroll, 
who were asymptomatic, so they weren't feeling any issues. Hamilton has had to deal with some mild symptoms. And whilst his condition is not thought to be worried about too much in terms of the severity of the virus, how it's affecting him, Total Wolfham said that Lewis was not feeling too great. So first things first, hopefully Lewis does make a speedy recovery soon. I'm pretty sure that he will. Obviously, we, you know, as much as we know about the virus and uh, hopefully we'll see him back with us for his news and some more positive news on that. But what that did is it created a hole in the Mercedes team, which was eventually filled by George Russell, who was at the Williams team, a young Mercedes driver, given his first opportunity to really show the Mercedes team and by and large, Courtney, a lot of the F1 fans and the F1 universe, if you like, what this kid can really do. I mean, you and I have been talking George's praises for a long, long time, even before he got into Formula One. And for us, it was a bit disheartening to see some fans really write this guy off because he was driving the slowest car on the grid and was only really referred to as Mr. Saturday, especially after what happened at the Emily Grand Prix where he missed out on the points. But Today, this weekend, was a fantastic opportunity for George to show everyone what he could do. Got it on the front row, missing out narrowly by a few hundreds of a second of Valtteri Bottas, which is an incredible achievement under the circumstances. I mean, Valtteri is definitely no slouch, despite what Lewis has been doing. And we almost can be forgiven for having that opinion of Valtteri Bottas, which may not be accurate, given that he is up against Lewis Hamilton. It's so hard to measure how good Valtteri really is. But we know he's a very good driver. And George did a brilliant job getting on the front row in the Mercedes. And for a long, long time in the race, it seemed like all the stars were going to align and that George Russell was going to not only get his first point or first podium, but win the Grand Prix after a fantastic start, getting off the line to overtake Bottas into turn one and pretty much control the race. After the restart, he got away well, controlled the race. He had that issue with the uh, HPP issue, on his car, the engine center issue, which probably took a bit of power away, but he recovered, drove a fantastic race. And then towards the end, 20 laps from the end, it all started to go wrong for him. We'll go into the details, obviously what happened, but first things first, Courtney, um, if you can, can you describe how you would assess George Russell's, George Russell's weekend for Mercedes? And then of course, how you feel given the way that it cruelly ended for him and the fact that we're talking about Sergio Perez winning rather than the incredible fairy tale story that would have been George Russell if things had happened the way we'd hoped them to have been. So I basically feel a similar way about George than I do about Sergio. Yes, George is going to have a seat in Formula One next season, but those of you that have been watching us regularly, I've been banging on about these two drivers all season. I've been saying that Sergio Perez deserves a chance in Red, at Red Bull and also believe that George Russell deserves a chance in the Mercedes. And I just feel that this weekend, putting everything together, I think he's proven that he's ready. He's ready to drive in that Mercedes. This was a big opportunity for Valtteri Bottas to win a race. But up, apart from qualifying, even that was close, I feel that he got outperformed by George. And without that incident, George would have gone on to have won the race. And, you know, we, we often talk about, in the past, about how Red Bull have got, you know, so the, in the past there's so many drivers and they could end up, lo they've, they've lost talent because they've had, you know, they've been indecisive about who they want. This is just my opinion. I think Mercedes need to be very careful. I think they've got a very big decision to make next season because 
if George isn't given a chance to be that second driver in Mercedes in 2022, if Lewis is still there by that point, then George Russell needs to be looking at other options because that man, no disrespect against Williams, but that, that guy is way too talented to be scrapping away, you know, you got the whole, you know, meme almost about George Russell getting his first point. Come on, the, the guy is way too talented to be scrapping just for a point. He's he could well be up there in the future with your Max Verstappen, your Charles Leclerc. If he carries on the way he's going, he could be the next big thing for British motorsport. And he does. He definitely deserves a chance in that Mercedes. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I, I mean, we tend to agree a lot on uh, things Formula One, but that in particular, I absolutely agree wholeheartedly. Um, you know, George himself, we said many times, his junior career has been fantastic. You know, what he's done in the Williams has been brilliant. You know, even if it's not come across in his racecraft, you know, he's not the finished article. I think people unfairly look at George in the same way that we've looked at Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc when they've had the machinery behind them that they're the finished article. I mean, these guys in their F1 education are a few years ahead of George Russell, but the raw talent is unquestionable. And in George's case, what we saw today was in a lot of ways, what things that you and I already knew about George Russell in particular, and probably some fans of his knew as well, that this guy is the real deal. If you give him the equipment, you give him the machinery, that, let's be honest, all great drivers, even Lewis Hamilton has needed to have the success that he has had, you will find a true, true star in this sport. And I think today, despite the fact that it didn't end the way that we hoped it would, I mean, it certainly looked with half an hour to go in the race that George was going to do it until, uh, you know, the capitulation of his race owing to issues that were out of his control. So, you know, he did everything that was required of him and more. I think Mercedes would have been happy for George to finish at least on the podium. Uh, Toto Wolff said that would have been a good result, you know, get some good points and stuff like that. They'd have been happy with that. But the fact that he stepped in was on it from the first moment he turned a wheel from practice. He was quick qualifying. He was quick, narrowly missed out on pole. And in the race, he looked like the man he looked like today. It was similar hallmarks to Charles Leclerc's performance at Bahrain last season until it all went wrong. And obviously we'll talk about what's happened with that. So obviously it went wrong for George where, you know, after he came out of the pits, he had the engine issue, but of course they managed to sort that out quickly. He upped his game. He set in some blistering lap times to make up that deficit and built a big gap to Valtteri. And whilst that was sort of teetering around five to six seconds, it looked like George was in control and could manage this to the end of the race. He'd been so calm, so focused the whole way around. It was incredible. It was like watching Lewis Hamilton, you know, control that race. That was how good George was. And then towards the end, we had the second safety car when Jack Aiken lost his uh, front wing after a spin at the last corner. And uh, I'll tell you what, that front wing came off very, very cleanly from Jack Aiken. So well done for him for keeping it out of the barriers altogether, was able to make a quick pit stop and fix that. But then when George came into the pits, Mercedes tried to double stack. And for lack of a better way of putting it, it was exactly the same as what happened in Germany last season, where the Mercedes crew was scampering all over the place. They put George on the wrong tyres. I think I heard right, they, they gave him Valtteri's tyres rather than his own. And then he went out of the pits, and that was a slow stop. Valtteri came in afterwards, and then they didn't know what tyres to put on him. They didn't have the right tyres and everything else. And eventually, they thought they were going to put George Russell's tyres on him. And they just put back the old tyres that he pitted with. So he ended up going out on old hards. And then a lap later, George was told of the kerfuffle that Mercedes had made, had to bring him in again and put him on a fresh set of medium tyres, which put him down the order. But um, 
I mean, what's an absolute mess, Courtney, from the Mercedes team. As I said, it, it was similar hallmarks to the 2019 German Grand Prix where it all went wrong for them, um, by which the FIA will be investigating that pit, those pit stops because, you know, George Russell effectively was on the track with the wrong tyres. I think he might get away with it, given the ruling. I'm not quite sure how it works when you put your teammates' tyres rather than your own ones on. That might be a different ruling altogether, but... I mean, what did you make of all of that? It just seemed to be going so well for George. He'd handled every obstacle, every challenge faced in front of him. He had his teammate in check. His much more experienced teammate in check. It looked like it was going to be the perfect fairy tale story until that point where it went horribly wrong for him. I mean, what was going through your head at that point in the race? Yeah, again, so unfortunate for George, given that Mercedes make these mistakes so rarely you know when when you when you look at a championship winning team it's not just down to the raw performance of the car that alone isn't enough it's it's the way that they manage to race weekend when it comes to setup on a friday because mercedes sometimes struggle on a friday but they always find a way to get the setup right by saturday or sunday and also pit stops mercedes have been almost flawless with the pit stops they actually aim to go for a 2.4, 2.5 second stop to avoid mistakes being made because they have the confidence in their pace. And they've been so efficient. And it's just such a shame, yet again for George, that the one weekend this season they've made a big error on the pits. It's the weekend that he's driving in the car. Mm. And it's just, I don't know, you know, I wish Lewis well. I'd love to see him back on Sunday, of course, you know, being a massive Lewis fan. But after what's happened this weekend, I'd love to see George get one last go to audition for that Mercedes seat in 2022, particularly given what happened to him today. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, Lewis Hamilton, I hope he does recover very well and I hope he's OK right now. You know, whatever it is he's doing, probably sitting in the motorhome, probably trying to calm down like the rest of us after that race and hope, you know, just try and see what the hell happened there. But um in a way, I would love to see George Russell have another crack. I think Mercedes owe him that at the very least, to have another crack at it at Abu Dhabi to try and get his first win in Formula One. And, of course, you know, when he came back out, he was on the fresh medium tyres. And and this was the other element that really excited me because we thought that we were going to see George try and control the race and then get towards the end and then just manage it. Um like Sebastian Vettel did in 2018 when Bottas was chasing him down, just manage it and then get over the line and win the race. It didn't happen. George was in a difficult position. He had to make some overtakes, including one on his teammate. And I'll tell you what, Corny, in a weird way, after what happened, I actually preferred that because it allowed us to see George really get stuck in and be in a very unique position where he was going to have to make some overtakes in a car that's definitely more than capable of doing that. He was no longer in the Williams. He had the car to make those overtakes. And that was such beautiful stuff to see. I mean, the overtake on Bottas in uh, turn six and seven around the outside on the medium times. I mean, we would, I'd seen Mick Schumacher make a few of those overtakes in the F2 race, and those were great. This one was unbelievable. I'd never thought I'd be willing a Mercedes driver on the way that I was. But um, and it, it's incredible to see the whole array of George Russell's talents uh, for everyone to see in the right machinery. It was so exciting. And then he had that cat and mouse chase with Perez where he was eking that gap out a very short lap, very difficult to make time and was slowly but surely catching Perez. Looked like he was going to get him before the end and we'd see that grandstand finish that we were hoping for. But then disaster struck for George Russell with a radio call from Bono telling him that there was a, uh, a suspected puncher on one of his tyres which forced him to have to make that pit stop. And unfortunately for George, 
it was over for him in terms of winning that race. And I'm not going to lie, Courtney, as I said, I'm a diehard Ferrari fan, as regular listeners of this podcast will know, but I'd never been more disappointed than uh, since I'd seen since Shrek 2. I think that's probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't, so I, random. <laughs> yeah, I can't see, yeah, definitely. I would say, yeah, definitely couldn't have been more disappointed than that particular moment in my life. That's what it reminded me of. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was gut-wrenching. And obviously, you know, social media we've seen since the photos of George Russell laying on the grass, um, just lying down, you know, probably thinking about what could have been in this race and how close he came to winning his maiden victory in Formula One. I think that's all that's left to say is on this one, before we go into a break, is we know already how good George Russell was. And I think the best vindication of this is that everyone else all of the doubters or people thought is this guy really ready for a step up to the Mercedes because it's a huge jump a huge ask and to do what he's done today be so close to winning and doing everything right to the point where the only reason he hadn't won today was because the forces that were out of his control just goes to show everyone what we already know this guy is a potential champion of the future and as we said before, the future of British F1 is certainly in safe hands, but certainly the safest in George Russell's hands. And I cannot wait to see if he does get that call up to race again in Abu Dhabi. And if he does, if he can try and go one better and get that maiden victory. Yeah, oh, this, before the break, Adam, just going to say it. George Russell, Mercedes, 2022. Get it done, boys. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, we'll talk a, a bit about Vot- Bottas in part two and obviously the ramifications of how significant this race was for him to make sure he got it right and obviously what that could mean going forward. But we'll talk about that in part two, guys. So uh, till then, we'll see you in part two of the DNF1 F1 podcast. The DNF1 F1 podcast is a brand new show that covers the latest gossip, news and events in the world of Formula One. In each episode, we discuss the hot topics, interview guests, as well as review each race from the Formula One World Championship. We upload new episodes weekly, and we upload our podcast episodes on all major podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. We also upload video versions of every podcast episode on the DNF1 F1 Podcast YouTube channel, as well as other great content that you can check out. So make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and click the notifications bell so you don't miss out on any new content that we produce. You can also follow and engage with us on social media. The DNF1 F1 Podcast is now active on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 Podcast. So welcome back to part two of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Now, of course, if you were watching this podcast last week, you would know that we have a bit of a competition on um, or a bit of a giveaway, I suppose, is probably more accurate. So just to give you guys a little reminder, if you haven't already seen, one of the prizes we have is this lovely little DNF1 mug. As you can see, coffee, teas and all kinds of beverages that you can think of in there. So three of you guys will get one of these mugs from us. And one other person in particular, well, uh, uh, sorry, in addition to the mug, I should say, will get 
a nice little DNF1 shirt that I'm wearing here. Not this specific one, because that would be a bit grim, a bit weird, <laughs> but uh, a fresh weird. one. <laughs> a little bit weird. I don't think we have any sort of diehard super fans that would want a shirt that I've already worn. At least I certainly hope <laughs> not. Um, clearly, I'm not... You know, uh, anyway, um, yeah, so that is what's on offer. So, just to cut, I think that's probably best. So, just you know, the less said on that, the better, yeah, but yeah, so just to clarify, the uh, back to George, <laughs> back to George, there you go, nice, but um, just to clarify, guys, so obviously, we're having a bit of a giveaway for you. So, this obviously, those prizes on offer, the winner that we will select at the end of the season so when the checker flag goes down in abu dhabi we will pick our winners so one lucky winner will get one of our mugs here and also one of the dnf1 f1 podcast shirts similar to what i'm wearing the other two runners up will also get one of the mugs as well so if you're wondering how you can enter this competition it's very very simple make sure to like this video so of course you can either like this video or the video that we did last week make sure to subscribe to the channel and also follow us on our Instagram page, DNF1 underscore podcast, and then send us a quick DM showing a screenshot to say that you've liked the video, subscribe to the channel, and of course, we will pick a winner from there. So if you haven't already entered, get entering. It's fair to say that these are some decent prizes here for us. It's just as a thank you for helping us reach 100 subscribers this season. And of course, getting us to 1,000 views for the Lewis Hamilton seven-time champion video, which is nearly up to 1,500. So if you haven't already seen that, make sure to check that out. That was a pretty good episode. And by our standards, it's absolutely incredible. So getting into part two of this episode, we talked a lot about George Russell. You know, there's not much more that we've already said that can't be said about George Russell's performance today. It's incredible stuff from him. Gut-wrenching how the race ended for him in terms of not being able to get that maiden victory in Formula One. Only ended up getting ninth, I believe, at the end of the race, which, of course, is still under investigation pending the outcome of whether the FIA or the stewards in this case felt that he was with breach of rules for accidentally having Bottas's tyres on and then obviously having that change the lap later. We'll have to wait and see how that unfolds. Not really sure George is that bothered at this point in time. And But I, I sent, in the break, I sent Courtney uh, one of the memes that was going around on Twitter of the uh, Racing Point team when they had their pit stop at the, uh, I believe it was, was it Imola? They had that where Lance Stroll had missed his breaking point and knocked over the front jackman who did a rolling somersault on the floor thankfully he was okay but obviously having mercedes on the uh, racing point car and the jackman that got sent flying was george russell so i'm not doing it justice by describing it but very very funny and probably a good way to sort of lighten the mood given what we've seen and how you have to sometimes you, know, you have a laugh you have to you have a yeah. laugh or you cry mate you laugh or you cry sport can be so cruel i mean i'm an arsenal fan as well and we just got beat by tottenham 2-0 as well so i'm not really in the best of moods as far as sport is concerned this weekend. But I digress and we move on. But um, yeah, let's talk a bit about Valtteri Bottas. And, uh, you know, Valtteri Bottas, I think, for a lack of a better way of putting it, was beaten on merit by George Russell. Even though he was ahead of George by the end of the race, he was well and truly beaten by George today in terms of the performance. And, you know, this is such a big thing this weekend. I mean, we were talking in the week about this, Corny, and... A lot can be said about the direction of Mercedes beyond 2021, assuming Lewis Hamilton stays with the team. And we know he probably will. We've just got to wait for that confirmation when that happens. But it really was an opportunity for Valtteri Bottas to prove to the Mercedes team that he is still the right guy 
to partner Lewis Hamilton and lead the team going forward. And I think despite the misfortunes that he had, compared to George Russell, after what we saw this weekend, there's probably a lot of doubt in Toto Wolff's mind and perhaps the Mercedes team mind that Valtteri Bottas may not be that guy to lead them going forward. And perhaps George Russell might be the better option in 2022. What, what are your thoughts on Valtteri's race today and where you feel Mercedes might go in terms of their direction on driver uh, strategy for the future Can, uh, with George and Valtteri? Now, I'm going to be fair to Valtteri. He's been a great servant to Mercedes since he's joined. And I have no doubt that he has been a part in the development of the car in the past few seasons. I'm not going to completely slag the guy off. But now we have a situation where we have another guy who at this point seems to have a lot more to offer to Mercedes. He's young. He's only 22. He's got so many more years ahead of him. And Lewis is probably, I would be surprised if we only see him for maybe two, three seasons. And they're going to need somebody there long term to take the team forward because as dominant as Mercedes have been in the coming seasons with the big regulation change coming in 2022, I can see the likes of Red Bull and Ferrari making life a lot more difficult for Mercedes. And they need not one, but two very quick guys to help them win championships. And I've, I've had this thought. In the past, I can I can see Lewis and George being in the same team and Lewis will almost be George's mentor for maybe his last season racing for Mercedes and then George will then take over. Even though I thought Max Verstappen will replace Lewis, I think George would be a great, great asset for Mercedes. It's, it's unfortunate for Valtteri, but come on, they're, they're the best team in Formula 1 and you should have the best drivers there and I think George is more than ready to fill that spot um, that Valtteri company has. Absolutely. And the way that this race was going, it kind of, it wasn't really much a win-win situation for Valtteri. There wasn't really any scenario in my head that, you know, Valtteri could put, or, or Valtteri could achieve, I suppose, that would make Mercedes feel actually he is the right guy alongside Lewis Hamilton, perhaps other than a dominating victory. I don't think that was ever going to happen. So I suppose what the question needs to be is, after what we've seen today, assume, you know, let's assume George Russell doesn't get another crack at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Lewis makes a recovery as we'd like to see, and he will, you know, go on and race as normal in Abu Dhabi. After what we've seen today, do you feel that Valtteri Bottas, no matter what happens next season, unless he goes and wins the championship next season, do we feel that Mercedes may look at Valtteri and feel actually perhaps we do need to make that decision and promote George because I don't think they've really been able to measure how good George can be until this miraculous set of circumstances that we've seen this weekend. And now that it's happened, there's probably a sense of doubt in Mercedes' mind that perhaps Valtteri no longer is that guy. Do you feel that perhaps today has actually changed their mind on this and that they perhaps will favour George Russell going forward? Yeah, it's it's a it's a potential um, game changer as as gutted as George must be feeling right now, feeling that he's lost a race not once but twice. This could be, I think I may have mentioned it in the last episode. This could this this race could have been career defining for George, and I really hope that this race has got as, as horrible as it has ended for him. His general performance has put him in odd spotlight. You know, Mercedes will be aware that there's so much support for George. You know, it's. It's George Russell's been everywhere. He's, you know, he's the he's the latest um what's the best way of putting it? 
he's probably the main man at the moment. The the the, the main man that the fans want to see do well. He's he's so he's so well supported by the fan base. And as I say, Mercedes will be aware of this. And even from a business perspective, they want to be having a guy that's both not only fast, but it's also very popular because they've got to think about you know advertising, bringing in money. And I feel that. I just, I just see a partnership with George Russell and Lewis Hamilton would just be fantastic. I don't think it'd be completely easy for um, Lewis, though, having George Russell as a teammate. I think it'd be interesting to see. But I just think, yeah, with 2022, with a big regulation change, a fresh start, having them two together, I think they could put Mercedes in a real good position in 2022. As much as fans of other teams wouldn't want to hear that, I think that combination would be great. Yeah, you're right on that one. Um, I think it's fair to say that from what we saw from Valtteri today, he had a lot of misfortune. I mean, Valtteri has been so unfortunate this season. We should really, you know, a special mention of this because Valtteri this season has had so much bad luck that if he didn't have bad luck, he'd have no luck. And despite being well beaten by Lewis Hamilton in the championship, I'm not saying that this would overturn anything in terms of the overall pecking order, but I think Valtteri has had a lot less than the rub of the green compared to Lewis this season. Sometimes it goes that way that, you know, that's Formula One for you. That's sport in general. Sometimes it goes uh, in the way of your rival and you never get any luck. And uh, once again, we saw that again with Valtteri and his race was really compromised. We never really got to see him in an opportunity to really fight through the field the way that Russell had done uh, with the tyres that Valtteri had on by comparison. But it's not something that we haven't seen before with Valtteri Bottas being put in that position. And like Lewis did at Monza when he had to fight his way near to the front and very nearly got onto the podium himself. And Valtteri, you know, in other races has not really been able to deliver when up against it. You know, that he seems to be very good in that Mercedes when he's battening at the front with Lewis, but otherwise he's completely nowhere. I mean, Toto Wolf was talking about Bottas's performance in today in particular. And I already mentioned a, a lose-lose situation for Bottas where he can't really win against George Russell unless he absolutely decimated him, which obviously didn't happen. But Toto Wolf said. He needs to talk with Valtteri and his crew, but yeah, he didn't shine today. And, you know, there's not a lot to go on, but I think looking between the lines, I think they were pretty much holding those two drivers, George Russell and Valtteri Bottas up against each other to see how George would cope under the pressure, the, you know, the immense expectation that was going to be put on him. I mean, they tried to play it down Mercedes all weekend. They really, really did. No one was buying it for a second. I certainly weren't. I thought... George has to target a podium. I think that has to be the standard that he's going for this weekend. And unfortunately, it didn't pan out for him, but it wasn't his fault. But where George excelled all expectations in his performance, he showed a level of focus and concentration and maturity and racecraft and excellent overtaking that Lewis Hamilton would have been proud of himself. Valtteri, by contrast, did not deliver on that and made a few mistakes that has crept into his driving quite a lot this season and seasons gone by at Mercedes, uh, specifically earlier on in the race and wasn't really able to show what he can really do. And, and perhaps this has happened too often now when Mercedes do have to really look at someone like George Russell and think we can't hold this kid back any longer. 2022 may be the time for George Russell to shine at Mercedes. We'll have to wait and see how that pans out. But let's move on from Mercedes. We've talked a lot about them in this episode already. And of course, if any updates happen on the driver lineup, then we'll be more than excited to talk about that as and when that happens. But let's talk a little bit about Red Bull. So we're not going to go too much about 
the uh, news with Sergio Perez and Alex Albon. We agree that Alex didn't have the best of races. He was off pace. Qualifying, he was off pace as well. Didn't get into the top 10. You know, so that creates question marks and more doubts over whether or not he's going to keep that seat. But Max Verstappen in particular, such a big opportunity it could have been today. He qualified well. He was within half a tenth of Valtteri Bottas in qualifying. So the pace was there. You know, he got a decent start, tried to get ahead of Bottas but then of course Bottas's mistake slowed him down which allowed Perez and Leclerc to have a go and amazingly despite avoiding uh, Perez and Leclerc's accident which he put down to his retirement he ended up making such a silly mistake by trying to carry on driving into the gravel thinking it was the uh, runoff area and ended up driving himself into the wall I mean how how do you think Max Verstappen would have felt after seeing what happened today, because after what transpired, Courtney, if he didn't make that mistake, in fairness, maybe it's a bit harsh for me to call it a mistake, but um, he could have won today. The way the race unfolded, even if he was down the back of the field like Perez, there's every chance he could have won the race today. I think the human mind is a a very, very um, interesting thing. If you think about it, there were a lot of drivers who were very much frothing at the mouth in this race, given that Lewis isn't around, because Lewis has dominated so much. So there was, I, I, I touched it earlier on with Bottas and Leclerc. There's, there was a desperation for these drivers, particularly Max, because Lewis has been the one guy that stopped Max from winning races and, and challenging for the championship this season. And he probably thought, yeah, you know what? This is going to be my chance today. You know, you've got a, a new driver coming in at Mercedes. Bottas is beatable from his perspective in the past. This is going to be my weekend. He saw the Mercedes have a decent, not the best getaway, catching up at the back of the thought, right, this is it, this is my moment. And obviously the blood rushed to the head and he didn't think about everything going on around him. Even though it was an unfortunate thing that happened, it was a little bit rash again. And I just feel you just saw a few drivers this weekend making errors they wouldn't usually make because they saw this weekend as a huge opportunity with Lewis not being around. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, Max will be kicking himself. I mean, he was kicking one of the tyre barriers on the way out. I don't think he would have wanted to talk too much to Charles Leclerc, who was walking ahead of him as they both left their stricken cars uh, in the barrier outside turn four. So, you know, it's a disappointing day for Red Bull for them. Uh, just looking at the race results to remind myself, they didn't score. Uh, I don't believe they scored. Did they score points in that race? What am I doing? I think of, yeah, I think he was sick, Albon. Yes, he was sick. Sorry, so excuse me. Yeah, Albon was sick. Yeah. But um, of course, you know, a, a lot of it today was obviously being in the right place at the right time. In terms of the overall pace from Albon, not really as impressive as Red Bull would have liked for it to have been. So another missed opportunity for Red Bull, considering where they were last weekend, a double podium for them today. Certainly not the best of fortunes and another opportunity slipping them by. You know, they've had a few of those now, Max Verstappen. If he hasn't been yeah, taken yeah. out of the first lap, He's gone on to do really well. And other than one race, he's gone on to get a podium. So, uh, you know, it's it's a strange thing for Max Verstappen. He's kind of in that uh, purgatory, I suppose, of being like the third wheel um, in the Mercedes championship, I suppose. You know, he's always been there, but he's just never really had the equipment to really challenge him week in, week out. And he's by far more than comfortable ahead of the rest of the field. So it's a really strange situation for Max to be in. But once again, as you said, Courtney, an opportunity for him, not that he would have known it at the time, but, you know, a lot of people, including yourself, you thought Max might have a good chance of winning today. Uh, It seems to have gone by him once again. So let's talk about Lance Stroll briefly. You know, a strange race for Lance Stroll. Uh, Not the best of qualifying performances from him. He was qualifying outside the top 10. 
uh, I believe. Or actually, yeah, he did get 10th, actually. Excuse me. Yeah, he was in 10th, so outside top 10. Terrible, this. But um, yeah, he, he qualified 10th. Wasn't the most impressive qualifying from him by standards compared to his teammate, Sergio Perez. But, uh, you know, such fine margins. I mean, qualifying was fantastic, uh, especially Charles Leclerc. Brilliant qualifying performance from him. We'll talk about him briefly in a bit. But it was a relatively decent race from Lance Stroll. He said himself that he was a bit disappointed with his performance in some regards. He felt he could have won. But given the circumstances, getting that third place towards the end of the race, he's been very good this season. When the races have been a bit crazy, like we saw at Monza, uh, you know, we saw a few other times this season, Lance Stroll has really been able to put himself in a good position to take advantage of that. And that's a trait that we've not really associated much with someone like Lance Stroll. And perhaps we should do a little bit more. So, I mean, what, what do you think, of Lance's day today. I mean, it contributed to a great day for Racing Point, which we'll talk about in a bit. But uh, what, what do you think of Lance's performance today? Yeah, you beat me to it when you mentioned the fact that he's had some um, he's had some scruffy races recently, you know, particularly last weekend. And this kind of performance was exactly what he needed going into the end of the season. Um, you know, drama free. You know, got a podium. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't sniff at that, really. You should be very happy with it. I know you probably thought, you know, when your teammate wins a race and you don't, it's always a bit, oh, that could have been me. But if put things, it'll, it'll take himself away, put things into perspective and realise, you know what, that's exactly what I needed this weekend. So I think you'll have two very happy drivers at Racing Point. But let's not forget, um, let's not forget Esteban Ocon. Very impressed with him as well. Yeah. Um, if, when you think about Renault, he has been he has been the of the two drivers recently. He has. Uh, he's definitely upped his game, Esteban Ocon. Uh, I mean, the constructors' championship situation is very very tight at the moment, and Esteban Ocon really gave Renault a bit of a lifeline in this championship. I mean, they're still sitting twenty two points behind Racing Point. I mean, Racing Point had a fantastic day, considering where they were last week, where. Sergio Perez's engine went up in flames a few laps from the end to deny a podium and Lance Stroll's car was upside down after lap one from the second restart of the Bahrain Grand Prix. It was a real change of fortunes for them today and they took absolute advantage of it and they put themselves in a great position now to consolidate that third position and of course with a 10-point lead over the McLaren team. It swings and roundabouts this uh, Constructors' Championship. It's proven to be the real highlight this season. Who's going to come third in the Constructors' Championship? Will it be Racing Point, McLaren or Renault? It's still all to play for with one race to go. Esteban Ocon doing a great job today. His first podium in Formula One, let's not forget, you know, runners-up. It just goes to show after everything that Esteban Ocon has been through the last couple of years, losing his seat at Racing Point and everything else that went with that, coming back into Formula One, not really been able to showcase the talents we know he has, but today... He really got on top of everything and drove a stellar race and, uh, you know, got a great result for himself and the team. And I'm pretty sure that will serve him very well in good step for next season with Fernando Alonso coming in as his teammate. The oldest driver in recent memory to participate in a young driver's test under the circumstances. Normally, uh, you have to be within a certain age to do that. Fernando is definitely well beyond that. I think he's uh, pushing 40 now so uh quite an interesting turn of events there but as i said espen on great performance room daniel ricardo didn't do too bad of course in his race but didn't really quite get the rub of the green uh to go his way but i think he'll be relatively happy with fifth position for them as well um i mean but let's briefly talk about mclaren as well uh carlos Sainz getting fourth today 
good performance from Carlos Sainz. He, you know, emulated what he did uh, last weekend. You know, good performance from them. Uh, sorry, uh, did better than he did last weekend, I should say, because Lando Norris obviously getting that fourth position last weekend. But, um, you know, great stuff from Carlos Sainz, you know, getting another fourth place. It's proving to be uh, a weird situation that Carlos Sainz has found himself in. And we've said this a few times already with Carlos that, you know, going to Ferrari is going to be much more of a challenge, I suppose, uh, than previously anticipated when he originally signed for the team back during preseason testing. That's how long ago it was back in February. And I suppose the question remains for Carlos Sainz is, is he regretting moving to Ferrari? I mean, it sounds crazy to think about, but there is an element of doubt as to how long it's going to take Ferrari to get back to the front. Um, but given where McLaren are going and how far they've come this season, Carlos Sainz might be feeling a little bit anxious about what is facing him in contrast to what he's leaving behind. Yeah, it depends how he thinks about it. I think short term, definitely. I wouldn't be fully surprised if, all things considered, McLaren are ahead of Ferrari next season. It would surprise me in the slightest, but Ferrari seem to be very bullish about 2022 onwards. So in terms of raw performance, you must be thinking, okay, long-term Ferrari might give me a shot at going for the championship. But we've discussed Ferrari so much in the past, Adam, and it's such a high-pressure environment. It's almost a pressure cooker environment. I've said it a million times as well. It's almost a national institution. It's a whole different ball game when you go to Ferrari. And he is he's going to go from, to say, a place which is almost comforting in McLaren, where you had a teammate he got on very well with, a team that, that is on the up, going to a high-pressure environment like Ferrari, where he's coming up, you know, against a guy who's going to be gunning for a world championship the first time he gets a chance. So it'll be very interesting to see how Carlos gets on at Ferrari. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I mean, as a Ferrari fan, as as veteran viewers will know, I'm really excited to see what Carlos Sainz can do. I mean, I'm on record in saying I would have preferred Daniel Ricciardo under the circumstances, but this season in particular, Carlos Sainz really shown his mettle as a driver, getting that podium at Monza and some plenty of stellar performances, including today where he's completely under the radar. Not a lot of people take much notice of what Carlos is doing, but then towards the end of the race, you're like, oh, Carlos is almost on the podium. Or he's getting, you know, he's racking up the points. Uh, Lando Norris, in the same regard, is is doing a similar job for McLaren. Obviously, he didn't have the easiest of days today, coming in tenth, as I believe at the moment. But you know, it's one of those teams that they're doing all the right things. They're making headway. They're really gaining ground on the big teams and making those steps forward. And I think McLaren are definitely going to be a force, if not next year, certainly in 2022 as well. So it's really exciting to see what they can do. Of course, today was a big opportunity for them to try and steal another march on the racing points, the Renaults, the, even the Ferraris to some degree that might have a slightly faster car at most circuits at the moment. But, you know, they really could have done without racing point getting that first and third today. The way it turned out for... Racing Point really suffered a big blow to McLaren, but they'll still be fighting to Abu Dhabi and still have a realistic chance. It's only 10 points. It can still go in their favour. I mean, the drivers that they have, I certainly believe, yeah, I certainly believe that they can do that. So let's talk a little bit about Ferrari briefly. Uh, Obviously, we mentioned them. A lot of the focus is going to be on next season and the year afterwards. They've been talking about the engine upgrades they've got come in for next season, which are definitely going to be needed. I predicted it was going to be a very difficult day for Ferrari and in the last episode it proved to be that way but certainly not for the reasons that I expected them to be I mean let's talk about Charles Leclerc's qualifying lap 
we mentioned this briefly, to get fourth on the grid within a fraction of a second of the Mercedes on a power circuit of all power circuits, where it's literally four straights and a few corners. I mean, what a lap from Charles Leclerc, you know, I mean, it's funny because he got out of the car after he set that time, went over to the pit wall, and he was looking absolutely mega proud of himself because at the time he would put it on the front row alongside Max Verstappen. And rather than try and get in the car to do another lap, he's like, lads, I, I can't, I don't think anyone could have got more out of that car that lap than I did. And he just went off and did his post-qualifying interviews whilst Q3 was going on. I mean, it just shows how good Charles Leclerc is as a driver no matter what he's driving at the moment and it does again it seems a shame that he's not in the right machinery to compete for world championship like Max Verstappen is but it's that infuriating contrast sometimes between his brilliance and then equally the mistakes that he makes and as I said I you know I tried to justify what happened on the first lap with Perez but I can't see any any reason why Leclerc shouldn't accept the blame for that incident it's really frustrating for him when he's in a car that you kind of hope that when the car gets better, those mistakes will go away. I, I just hope that that's the case, but well, they can't happen then. No, exactly. And they're going to cost more points than, you know, fourth place. He could have got a podium today. Who knows? He may have won unlikely, but he may have won today. And that's kind of how he has to look at it upon reflection. But he's the sort of guy that reflects really well on these things. He learns from them. I just hope that if when Ferrari do improve, uh, and not just the car. I mean, the pit stops were an absolute shambles as well. I was watching the race and uh, my, my dad was watching it as well. And I was just saying to him, I said, I find it amazing that Ferrari have a poor car by their standards. Obviously, they were really done by the, uh, the you know, the changes with their engine owing to the FIA investigation. The car was built around that engine. That's why they're so poor. But um, I said, the one thing that they can control, i.e. the pit stops, and yet they always seem to have issues with them, um, especially with Sebastian Vettel. I mean, what is going on with that team? It's crazy. Yeah, they, they always seem to find a way to be bad. I, 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 I don't know what's going on there, Adam. We've discussed it many, many times, mate. Um, a team of that size, a team that's of so much importance to so many people. I, I don't know how, how, there's people, how, how these people are getting away with making this many errors that, you know, that there being a lot of sackings, you know, it's it's in a way it's good that Ferrari have changed their culture a bit and they're hoping to change for the better. But it, it's getting beyond silly now, isn't it? You know, I, I, to start with, as as a fan of a rival team, I was laughing at um, Ferrari's misfortune, but it's not it's it's not even funny anymore. It's it's, it's almost pitiful. Absolutely. And uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, uh, a like on this video is a prayer for Ferrari to try and get things right because we want to see him back at the front again. <laughs> so uh, make sure to do that. Send your thoughts and prayers to Ferrari. But uh, yeah, it is frustrating as a Ferrari fan and as an F1 fan in general. It is frustrating that Ferrari seem to be making constant mistakes when, you know, not just the strategy, the pit stops. I mean, I'm highlighting these things in particular because when you've got a car that isn't performing as well, as you would have hoped it to be, you really are relying on upgrades and everything else. And you've got an outstanding driver in Leclerc and you've got another one in Vettel who's had better days, but clearly it's just not worked for him this season or Ferrari in general, other than the earlier years. You want them to be maximising everything that's within their control in the race, like the pit stops, like the strategies, you know, the stuff like this. And when they're still making these mistakes, it makes me worry that when they eventually end up with a good car again, because it's only a matter of time, they will, it's Ferrari. You know, if anyone knows how to get back to the front, it's them. They've done it enough times. But they're still going to make these errors. Things have to change. 
I'm not suggesting personnel needs to be changed, far from it. But I really feel with a group of people that they have, and they're very talented individuals, just got to understand that whilst the car is still crap, for lack of a better way of putting it, you've got to get these things right, guys. That's not an excuse to have five, six second pit stops when the Red Bull guys are churning out sub two second pit stops. I mean, even the Williams guys, the Williams guys are like the second best pit crew in Formula One. And they've got the worst car. So, you know, it's not an excuse, guys. So hopefully they can really sort that out. And Matty Bonotto can really get them all together and see, like, guys, next season we have to be on it because we've got no excuses. You know, not that Ferrari ever do, but, you know, they can't afford to waste any more time in this. So, you know, just looking for the rest of the field after that little mini rant on Ferrari because it's been boiling up for a, a season now from me personally. Um you know, just looking at some of the other teams, AlphaTauri had a decent day. You know, Pierre Gasly, a relatively quiet race for uh, Danny Kvyat that uh, ended up seeing him finish in seventh place. So, you know, Danny Kvyat did well. Pierre Gasly was really caught out by the uh, safety car and the changes that, so, you know, bogged him down to 11th. Alfa Romeo, 13th or 14th for Giovinazzi and Raikkonen. Raikkonen obviously had that incident and the opening lap and uh, thankfully all we saw was the car spinning and just smoke and he was able to carry on after what we saw last week heart was almost in my mouth after seeing that again but yeah um, great yeah so you know thankfully everything was okay there Williams uh, Latifi obviously retired he had an issue with the car not quite sure what that was that brought out the safety car which led to the uh, issues uh, the virtual safety car I should say not not the, the late one but uh, Jack Aiken I think Jack drove relatively okay, despite the mistake he made. But I think it was a good outing for Jack Aitken. And hopefully, I think you'll agree, Courtney, hopefully this won't be the last time we see Jack Aitken in a Formula One car. Hopefully better things for him in F2 next season. Whatever team he is going to be competing in, we'll have to wait and see. But um, not a bad outing for him. Just looking for the rest. Obviously, Haas, we've got to talk about Haas briefly before we wrap up the end of the episode. Um yeah, a relatively quiet day for Kevin Magnussen. I can't really say too much on that. But um, for those of you that weren't aware, Roman Grosjean obviously doing very, very well in his recovery. He was at the circuit and it was fantastic to see Roman Grosjean looking and feeling good. You know, all the positive messages. He did an incredible interview with Martin Brundle for Sky F1. I definitely recommend you check that out. Really, really emotional and thought-provoking some of the stuff that he is saying. It really does get you right in the feels. Um, but unfortunately, Roman announced uh, earlier this weekend that this will be the last time that we see him in Formula One. Uh, he is not going to be partaking in the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. And as I said before, as sad as that is, I felt that was probably the best course of action for Roman. You know, it's such a shame that Roman will not be able to have his finale to his career at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. But I think for all the right reasons, I'm just really grateful and glad that Roman will be able to continue on with his racing career, whatever he decides to do. And, uh, you know, live to find another day, I suppose. All, you know, no pun intended, of course. But, um, yeah, what do you make of that news with Romain Grosjean, Courtney? Yeah, I'll second exactly what you said. It's, it's, um, it's for the best. At the end of the day, your health comes first and he has to think about longevity of his career. Um, so short-term pain, long-term game, literally, for Romain. And uh, as... as as weird as this may sound, this accident would have given him a lot of publicity, which may give him more opportunities in other racing series. So in a really mm. strange way, it could be a blessing in disguise for him. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Wish, wish him all the best. Both both, both him, you know, best wishes to him and Lewis. We hate seeing drivers out of races, particularly for external circumstances. So 
best best wishes and good health to the pair of them absolutely i mean i've never known an episode since we've been doing this where we've talked so little about lewis hamilton but of course he was not the focal point this weekend given what was happening with covid and i'm sure he'll be back soon but yeah i'm gonna miss roman and you know you're right to point out even though it's not intended in uh, intended to be like a publicity stunt but it's a good reminder for people that perhaps weren't aware of Roman Grosjean's talents that he is still a very very quick racing driver and a very talented driver who perhaps if career moves were a bit more in his favor might be competing for race wins and championships you never know how these things happen in Formula One you really have to be in the right place at the right time to succeed in the sport but um you know whatever Roman decides to go on and do We'll definitely be keeping a keen interest and we wish him well and we're just glad to see that he's doing well and is okay. I mean, Pietro Fittipaldi, we don't know if he's going to be racing in Abu Dhabi in the Haas team. He did relatively okay. I think he did the, what was expected of him, to be honest, uh, you know, doing okay in F2. And of course, we'll be focused on that a bit more. I suppose the one question before we finish this off is now that the F2 season is done, Mick Schumacher in particular confirmed for Haas next season, winning the F2 title, and he's going to be partaking in the uh, young driver test for Haas at the end of the season. I'm not sure if he's going to be doing free practice in general, but would it be far-fetched or out of the question for Haas to consider putting Mick Schumacher in the car for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in Haas? Because I don't see why that's not a bad idea. What do you think mm. about that prospect? Um, any other season, Adam, I probably would have been doubtful, but given the way the season has gone, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Mm. yeah no you're probably right to put it that way uh the way this season has gone we can almost expect anything i suppose one thing we should say the uh one constant has been the netflix uh drive to survive series is going to be definitely one to watch this season uh, I'd, i'm not sure if i mentioned this earlier in the episode correct uh, apologies if i had but um you haven't they were, they you were, haven't mentioned I haven't. it oh i haven't oh good but um they were with the mercedes team this weekend and uh, given the old curse with Netflix, they tend to follow the teams from race to race, uh, different teams, obviously, for each, each episode. And Mercedes themselves, obviously, were the team they were following this weekend. I don't think Netflix are going to be high on the Christmas card list at Mercedes after following them last season at the German Grand Prix, where it all went wrong for them. And once again today, filming them, looked like it was going to be an incredible story with George Russell. And then it absolutely capitulated in front of them. So I don't think Netflix are going to be very popular in the Mercedes camp or any F1 team in the oh. future. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I thought I'd just get that out there. As I said, if I had already mentioned it, guys, I apologise for that because I, I can't remember, to be honest. I was so long ago in this episode. But, um, yeah, I, I think we've all summed it up pretty well. I'm, I'm looking forward to the final race of the season. It's been such a blur this season. It's amazing that we've had... A championship this season given the circumstances we face with covid we really do have to thank michael massey you know the race director everybody in the fia the organizers everyone you can think of involved in getting a formula one season everyone at liberty media ross braun etc i could name so many people but you know they've done a fantastic job this year and it's certainly been a memorable championship a memorable season absolutely so many, yeah, absolutely certainly memorable for so many different reasons you know, and, you know, it's uh, it's looking exciting going into next season. I think it could be a close championship battle. I certainly so, hope so. Another season yeah. like this season will do nicely. 
Absolutely. I certainly hope so. I mean, I'm still going to be back in Mercedes to dominate again, but we'll have to wait and see how that transpires and certainly hope it brings as many exciting moments this season as uh, next season, I should say, as this one has. But um, I think that's a good way to uh, end this episode. We're literally just ticking over an hour. So obviously, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. If you haven't already, make sure to like this video and subscribe to the DNF1-F1 podcast channel. And of course, don't forget the giveaway we have. Make sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Instagram, and also send us a DM showing that you have done that to be entered in the competition. The deadline is the checkered flag at the end of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix before we decide our winners. And we will announce those on that podcast episode. And also, as you can see on the screen, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and of course, YouTube as well. And if you are listening to us on any of your favorite podcasting platforms, thank you so much for supporting us this season. It's been brilliant covering it with you guys. And uh, until then, we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Network.